Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. I'm here with Jared. This is Kelly Quinlan. We're doing a lot of talk about Georgia Tech football. We'll get into basketball when basketball season comes along. This is going to be a weekly podcast covering Georgia Tech athletics. And uh, it's kind of a great time of year right now. We're in the thick of the ACC Coastal race. And Georgia Tech has a huge game on Saturday afternoon in Hard Rock Stadium or Landshark Stadium or Miami <laughs> Dolphin Stadium or whatever the hell they call that place. Whatever you want to call it. In the middle of no man's land in Florida. Uh, Jared, kind of what are you thinking about the, this game right now? You watched uh, Miami and Florida State last week uh, a lot more closely than I did. I guess kind of what are you saying? Um, I see a team that definitely has players have mentioned already. I see a team that has a bunch of athletes. I'm not sure if they're incredibly strong on the offensive line. I mean, I think Rozier's a good player. He was uh he threw 19 or he threw 44 passes, completed 19 of them uh, for three touchdowns and an interception against FSU. But uh, he showed on that last drive that he has the ability to be to be that clutch factor that they need. You know, it's interesting. They're they're down Mark Walton, their NFL level running back. Mm-hmm. Um, Going to try a bunch of different guys out this week there. That's some kind of an interesting subplot. Of course, Miami's always loaded with talent at running back. They've moved um, a walk-on and a wide receiver to that position, DJ Dallas, uh, yep. who's a guy some Tech fans probably remember from back in the day when he was a recruit. Yeah, I remember. And uh, they're trying to, to kind of match wits here, and they got a lot of guys banged up, and it seems like it should be a pretty interesting game. It should be a little more of an even matchup than the last few games between these two teams. I think definitely as far as talent goes, I don't think either team really has an edge. I think uh, our experience probably trumps theirs a little bit just from the secondary and the line and things like that, more so on the defensive side. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, as far as Walton goes, they have – Travis Homer coming in, he he's already averaging 8.3 yards a carry. So I'm not sure if they'll be losing too much of a step as far as the running back position goes. Yeah, the weird thing with the Homer kid is, you know, Mark Walton was basically running on one leg in that Duke game, uh, mm-hmm. and they just kept going with him. And I didn't understand that. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if having him keep playing is what caused him to, to injure the other ankle because he's compensating and. I think that was just kind of a, a, a tactical error at best. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it'll be interesting to kind of see. This has been Paul Johnson's kryptonite. This is the one place he has not done well as a head coach at Georgia Tech, yep. and I think that uh, for whatever reason that happens with you sometimes. It's funny Mark Ricks over at Miami. He struggled to win in Jacksonville against the Florida Gators, even when they had better teams and Florida had bad teams. So yeah. It sometimes just happens in a place, gets you. You know, Georgia Tech lost in Charlottesville for almost 20 years uh, until Coach Johnson broke that streak a few years Mm -hmm. ago. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of snap it. Obviously, the Jackets won um, the next to last time they played down in Miami in the Orange Bowl with Justin in 2014. So, you know, can they exercise those demons? I think Taquan Marshall's a little bit of a different element than – what they're used to seeing from a Georgia Tech quarterback, so I'll be curious to see if he makes a little bit of an impact on this game as well. I mean, the kid's the kid's proven that he can 
the be the playmaker that we need. And obviously he's taken a he's taken some pretty big hits in in the four games we played so far. So I think this bye week that we had before the Miami game is really going to help him out. Yeah, I think Coach Johnson needs to figure out a way to keep him fresh, keep Cravante Benson fresh. I think mm-hmm. a lot of Benson's errors have been him being tired and mental mistakes, you know, stretching out for the goal line when you're not close to those are things that will come as he gets more used to playing again. Right. We gotta think about this. Cravante Benson hadn't played football in almost three years until he started against Tennessee. So right. you know, this is a kid who's four games in his career. Taekwon has a little bit more experience from that year playing A back. Mm-hmm. So these guys are just kinda getting used to, to the game and I think that's been part of the reason why they've had the fumbles. Um in, in these early games this year as well. Well, I know that one thing I saw uh, somebody talking about was just getting the A-backs a little bit more involved. Because, I mean, we as far as that goes, I mean, they do have more experience than Taekwon and, and Cravante and Jerry do. So I think as far, maybe with turnovers that they could help with that if we do get them a little bit more involved. Well, you know, the rocket toss, um, doing some crossbuck, there's different things they can do that, that Coach Johnson hasn't really pulled out a ton this year. Right. And in terms of the pitches, Taekwon seems to be getting more comfortable there. So I think that there's an opportunity to make some more plays uh, mm-hmm. in that part of the game. And then eventually uh, they will be able to, to kind of get those guys a little more involved. And I think in the past game is where the A-backs can really make a difference because pretty much they haven't been covered in most of the games. And they just need to give Taekwon enough time, and he needs to set his arm correctly and get in the right mm-hmm. arm slot to throw those balls. He yep. sailed a couple of them. Yeah, he mentioned that not too long ago. He said he can feel it as as soon as he throws the ball, he knows if it's going to sail or not. So yeah, that's something that I think just comes with with experience and and getting used to to playing and keeping you know your fundamentals in check as you get tired in a game too. And that's another part of those long drives that can be tough mentally on a player when you have an 18, 15, 12 play drive. Um, it's a lot of snaps, and I yeah. think that's something that people don't necessarily factor into all of this. And definitely more so with the, the pitching aspect of the job, because, I mean, we saw that with everybody from Tevin. He, he was sort of slow to pitch the ball at first, and I, I feel like especially with Matthew Jordan, just in the few starts that he was able to make last year and, and then in the spring game and whatnot, it was just noticeable that he was a little bit hesitant to pitch the ball. But, I mean, definitely take ones. Uh, he's definitely getting used to it now. Yeah, he had a couple, take one at a couple of Josh Nesbitt, like uh, those last second pitches, pitching up the field mm-hmm. a little bit. Stuff that you don't see. Justin was good at that as well later. In yeah, the Justin season. was definitely good at that. Um, including one where Justin pitched it forward when he shouldn't have, uh, I forget what game that was last year. Um, he had like a forward pitch, and then he knocked him out of field goal range. But, oh, I, I remember. I can't put a finger on it either. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how those guys play out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, defensively, Miami, really talented linebackers. Their front seven's about as big a, a group of guys as Tech will see probably until the Georgia game. And then, um, you know, decent secondary guys. I, it's going to be uh, probably one of the more interesting battles to see how the offensive line holds up against that mm-hmm. Miami front seven and how aggressive may Diaz has been incredibly aggressive as a defensive coordinator at Miami. So is he going to dial that back a little bit? I mean, we've seen guys get torched by that. The one that comes to mind to me always is, uh, 
John Tenuta, when he was at Virginia, would blitz and they would just smoke him with plays, mm-hmm. like a rocket toss or what. It wouldn't. It didn't take much to, to really get them out of position, even a screen to the wide out. So there's a lot of things you can do with that. And you know, the one other sort of interesting thing this week is Paul Johnson's been very, very kind of um, tense. This is the word I would use to describe it. And uh, he tends to get that way before he thinks there's a big game that he has a chance to win. Um, normally, if he thinks they're going to get smoked or he doesn't feel good about a game or he thinks he's going to smoke somebody, he's usually pretty chill. Right. This week he's been very, very much on edge. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. I think I think they definitely have a good chance to win this game. They just need to, I mean, obviously limit the turnovers. Maybe – Chew up clock like they did in 2014. I don't remember the exact time. I want to say it was around 38 minutes in 2014 when they last beat Miami. And uh, I think they can. I think they can win the game. The players seem confident. So. Yeah, I think it's been you know a while, and they've been starting to excise some of those demons. The pit demon three game losing streak to there got snapped. The right. The three four game whatever it was against North Carolina got snapped. So mm-hmm. maybe they have a chance to do that again. I mean, here's the thing. The the way the Coastal's set up, if Georgia Tech can win this game, they're in pretty good position to, to win the Coastal, even with a loss at Clemson. Definitely. Assuming they can win out. I mean, they control their own destiny because they will have the tiebreaker over all of the, the division teams if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen them play, obviously, really well so far in the ACC games with the with beating Pitt in, my, or in North Carolina. So I think if – I think there's going to be a lot that we learned this week about Georgia Tech and even about Miami. Uh, whoever comes out on top of that of this game, I feel like can be a real contender, not even in the ACC but nationally. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, it'll be interesting to see if the U can can deal with prosperity. They have really struggled when they've gotten into the situation in terms of losing games. Whenever they're back in the top ten, fifteen, top fifteen, they. Mm-hmm tend to go on a backslide can mark rick prevent that you know that's that's a whole other sort of interesting question about about their team right now they are this is not necessarily the best miami team even of the last few years in terms of offense so Uh you know they're going to need their defense to pick them up a little bit and then how does ted roof's defense play are do they continue to make plays and be aggressive or do we go back to read and react and the stuff that makes tech fans want to pull their hair out? Right. I think uh, I think maybe Ted might be taking notice of of the way that they have played so far. And I mean, we've heard it from the players that just allowing them to go out there and and kind of just run around and make a play on their own. Definitely, I feel like something Ted has to be noticing as the defensive coordinator, and I feel like he's going to allow them to do that again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been sort of an interesting mandate from the players and Coach Johnson to to keep it simple, to not overthink. Ted Roof's kind of like one of those defensive coordinators. He's like an offensive coordinator who's running the ball really well and then decides mm-hmm. to start chucking it. They, <laughs> they throw interceptions or get behind, get behind the chains, and that's you can't do that. I think you know they've the the assistants have done a nice job. I think helping keep Ted focused on that stuff and. And Coach Johnson in meetings, and the players themselves as well, um, just kind of keeping the checks to a minimum, trying to just play fast and be aggressive. And I think, you know, to me, the whole key to this game is can you stop the run and can you get 
uh, Roger off his spot. And if you can do those two things, I think that Georgia Tech has a chance to win the game. Definitely. So, uh, I mean, as I noted, or as I previously stated, uh, in that just in that Miami game, he he definitely proved that he has the ability to lead that last minute drive, um, and his his completion percentage was a little bit less than average, but. I think he's a good player. He's obviously a bit of a stocky player, guy that's going to be hard to bring down. Um, but I think I think Georgia Tech will be able to adjust nicely to him, and I think the Ted Roof will continue allowing the players to run around and make plays. So I guess kind of looking around now at the the Coastal Division, you know Georgia Tech is dispatched with Pitt and UNC, but it turns out they may be the two worst teams in the Coastal Division. Yeah. So I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty of kind of what what to expect from from Georgia Tech as we go forward. Virginia looks much improved as, as hard as I've kind of bagged on them over the last few years. And then uh, Virginia Tech's obviously still a pretty good team. they got a young quarterback who's still kind of learning on the job. Mm-hmm. They've had some injury issues. And then you look at Georgia Tech and Miami, they're kind of expected to be the sort of workhorses. And then Duke's probably – in that back third with North Carolina and Pitt right now, they, right. they seem to be really struggling. Duke and I mean, especially with UNC and Pitt. UNC already has three ACC losses, so I mean, you can probably already go ahead and count them out as far as the coastal race goes. Pitt and Duke both have two, so I mean, I, I'd like to think that they have to win out if they want to have a chance as far as the ACC goes. I feel like whoever's going to win the coastal this year is going to have probably one ACC loss. Definitely, definitely no more than two. Yeah, I think that it gets real interesting. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech, they their luck of playing softball uh, Atlantic Division opponents came to an end. They had to play yeah. Clemson this year. So mm-hmm. you get, you know, they play. That's where this whole thing gets weird. Miami and Georgia Tech sort of get screwed in this whole thing. They each you play Florida State and Clemson respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech plays Boston College every year. I think Paul Johnson would give a finger up to play Boston College <laughs> each year instead of uh, Clemson. So, you know, they tell they tell Coach Johnson that it will balance out over time, but he made a good point about this at his press conference the other day. Um, you know, they say that it will balance out, but Clemson and Florida State spend like twice what all the other schools do on football, so it seems unlikely that they will ever balance out unless they just hire an idiot as a coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this plays out. You got Wake Forest coming up for Georgia Tech, who's probably they actually better this year than they have really in a, in a long time. Yeah, I mean, they could arguably end up being the fourth best team in the Atlantic instead of at the back of the pack this year, uh, or maybe fifth. Um, you know, they're they're a tough out. They're like a lot. They remind me a lot of where Duke was a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. They're kind of on the edge of turning the corner. <clears throat> they just don't quite have enough enough athletes to make plays on offense to get them past that sort of we're going to hang with you but we can't put you away i mean even with clemson they came back and after playing a pretty horrible game and gave them a game so right and then against florida state i mean they only lost by that last second touchdown so yeah i think they i think they can really be good obviously nc state's playing pretty well this year uh so as far as the atlantic goes i I mean it's going to be clemson i i guess Louisville and NC State. You know, it's funny about NC State is they're working on a contract extension for Dave Doran, 
Dave Doran is uh, what, what, what did I say, thirteen and twenty nine or something like that. Twenty two mm-hmm. in the ACC in his career. That's and he only has yeah. four wins total that aren't against Duke, uh, that aren't against um, Syracuse, BC, or, or Wake Forest. Wow, I had no idea about that, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny. It's a sort of the cla- NC State's one of those classic schools that they get enamored with the wrong coach, or they can't get the guy that can can turn the corner for them consistently. And I think they're they may be falling in that same trap again. Definitely. I mean, because you see, when every year the Tech's been able to make it to the to the ACC championship game, I mean, it's going to take more than wins over teams like Syracuse and Duke and teams like that. You're going to have to beat your Virginia Techs, your Miamis schools like that i mean even in 2014 georgia tech was able to beat all four of them when it came to or actually i'm sorry they beat three of them being virginia tech miami and uh clemson and then they they weren't able to win in chapel hill that year yeah that was a crazy game up uh in chapel hill that year yeah 2014 yeah it's one of the strangest games i've covered um, it was that was just a weird season, to be quite honest, because you come out 5-0 and after a win against Miami, and then you just lay an egg against Duke and North Carolina, and then went out. So it was just a crazy season. Or, sorry, not went out, but you lose to, by two to the defending national championships and the ACC championship. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, the uh, that 2014 season, you know, just Thomas gets injured in that Duke game and won't come out of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like running on one foot. Right. And they – you know, they put Tim at the end, and he brings the team right back, but they probably should have gone to Tim Byerly at some point. And then North Carolina game was just crazy. Uh, yeah, that was a crazy game. No, Not not too much defense in that game. No. And so, you know, that's where it gets interesting. Paul Johnson really hasn't had a defense of any consistency since 2008. Um, right. Even in 2014, I mean, that's probably – I'd argue that it was the best year under Paul Johnson and. That defense was they, – they did turn the ball over. They were able to force some turnovers, but they weren't – You either scored or you turned the ball over. Like, that was kind of what happened. They right. They a lot of three and outs on that with that Definitely defense. not. That was that was probably one of the most teams under Paul Johnson that was liable to, to allow a big play on third or fourth down. Yeah, there were a lot of – I recall a lot of, like, odd third nine, and then they, the team would get, like, 30 yards right. on a play defense. Like, how do you give up 30 yards, you know? Exactly. Like, it's one of those situations where it's like third and 15, you're like, okay, there's no way they get this, and then they score a touchdown. Yeah, it was at the point, I remember that year, where it was just like, all right, they're going to, you know, there was no, like, people were not ex- expecting the offense to come back on the field in third and long. Right. But obviously they had all the seniority on the offensive side, with especially at the A-back position that allowed to kind of give the, the defense some, some space to work with. Yeah, that's kind of where you get into things this year, I think, other than, you know, up the middle where you have Kenny Cooper at center and, and Taekwon and, and mm-hmm. Cervante. Everywhere else is pretty experienced on, on the on the team, and so I think you're, you're kind of seeing the fruits of that in terms of some of the success they're having. Obviously, right. offensive tackle is still a little bit of a, an issue as well, so it'll be kind mm-hmm. of interesting to see, see what happens there. And um, Hopefully we'll get those guys back this week. Yeah, uh, you know, that's – That'd be big to get just Jahazel Lee back, and um, I, I'm curious to see kind of if they start rotating more guys on the offensive line, and you know how much Shamir Devine can hold up. The Miami game is going to be in the 90s and very humid, and probably rain a little bit, so that doesn't really strike me as a Shamir Devine kind of weather. 
Right, definitely not. He's he's usually one of those players that takes five, ten seconds to get up after a play. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You, you can guarantee they're not going to run up back to the huddle when he's in the game. <laughs> There's not going to be any uh, tempo. So, With that weather, though, I feel like it kind of does give Georgia Tech a little bit of advantage as, as far as offense goes just because I mean, obviously Florida, or Miami won't be able to pass the ball 50 times a game with the with the rain being the way it is. Yeah, I mean, if it gets into a rain situation, that's where it gets really interesting for for both teams and how you react and how you know footing is and stuff. And they were out practicing in the rain on Monday. Today, it's um, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's 85 and kind of muggy, mm-hmm. so it's not a bad sort of preparation for for Saturday for uh, the players. And obviously, Definitely. the second half it'll cool off as the sun goes down down there. So. Uh, that should help a little bit as well in the, the second half of that game. Right. And uh, I have on here that 235 of Miami's yards comes it, – it's come through the air and then the other 148 is on the ground. So their their rush defense might be a little bit better than their pass defense. So it, it does kind of seem like an advantage. But then again, it seems defensively they're a little bit more stout against the run. Well, and you got to think too, Miami's played two teams in a row that have really struggled this year to run the football both Florida mm-hmm. State and Duke have really struggled to establish their own game. I think that kind of skews their stats a little bit. Yeah, uh, I did notice that Cam Akers, Cam Akers was, he was having to break tackles kind of at the line of scrimmage every time he would break off a big run. So I, I'm not sure if that was just improvement on Miami's end or if it was just Florida State's offensive line. Or yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that all plays out, and, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen uh, with with you know Georgia Tech here and what kind of team this really is because losing that UCF game kind of really you know is kind of put the skids on terms of figuring out kind of what's going on because that would have been a really interesting testing the way they're playing right now right it turns out they're actually a good team yeah a lot of Tech fans were thinking that it would just be a free win but it's hard to tell now no see and I didn't think it was a free win I think they just needed to play the game to get ready for ACC play and right. I felt like UCF was a good test for for Clemson, North Carolina, uh, in terms of the offensive style. Mm-hmm. It, it was a good opportunity to kind of get some practice against that. But, you know, it didn't happen. So uh, hopefully Georgia Tech will get that game back by playing in the ACC championship, uh, you know, come December. Hopefully so. Um, but I think that about wraps it up for uh, this first edition of the Jackets Online podcast. We will be back next week to talk about what happened in the uh, Miami game and preview Wake Forest as the Demon Deacons stroll into Bobby Dodd for a night game for like the first time <laughs> since, what, Florida State in 2015? It's been, the, I, I, th- I saw someone said the last game we've had at Bobby Dodd Stadium that wasn't a 12.30 or 12 o'clock kickoff was against Mercer uh, last year, which was 3.30, so that wasn't much of an improvement either. No, I mean – most of the games have been noon kickoffs thanks to television contracts, and everybody mm. likes to complain. It was funny, though. The first text I got when I sent tweeted out the, the schedule was from my good friend Chris Hall, who's a whiskey chef to those Jackets Online subscribers. And mm-hmm. Chris goes, I won't be able to go to the game. He's like, I have uh, I have to go cook for something i was expecting georgia tech wake forest to be a noon game so i got a kick out of that because he's he's been one of the guys who's complained the most about the noon kickoffs and he's somebody that uh is gonna get burned by it this uh this coming week 
I think we all were kind of expecting that to be a noon game, but I definitely won't be one to complain about it. No, and it's fun to cover a game at Bobby Dodd at night. It's one of the best atmospheres in terms Absolutely. of the skyline, and the fans get fired up, and it's fun, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what kind of game it is. And obviously, if Georgia Tech's coming off a win at Miami, can they keep that momentum up as they go into their two non-divisional opponents in Wake Forest and Clemson? Right, and Wake Forest is definitely no team that is like a like – some fans may have thought of UCF. It's definitely not a team that you're going to be able to just go in there and, and not play your best and beat. Because in and 2000 was it 2008 or 2009? I mean, it ended up ending in overtime, so it could yeah, be it a very 2009 good game. In, in Atlanta overtime. Yeah, it could be a very good game. And then the last game against them was uh, 2010, and uh, Corey Earls had to catch a touchdown at the end of the game to help propel Georgia Tech to the marvelous Independence Bowl that year. <laughs> so, uh, fun times. Uh, that's one game I'd like to forget, the Independence Bowl against Air Force. Yeah, that was that was not a good game. We'll definitely learn a lot from these next couple weeks, though. All right, well, uh, for Jared, I'm Kelly, and we'll uh, call it a day, and uh, thanks for listening.